Now, I have to, it, it just worked out that this happened on Father's Day, and so in some ways it's appropriate. In other ways, it'll seem like I'm beating the men up for Father's Day. So I want to warn you in advance, I'm going to try to be faithful to what God is telling you. Um, I'll also warn you that what we share today is going to be probably offensive to some of you. It'll probably, it'll be about as politically incorrect as what you'll get nowadays because our society is just going against the whole notion of what it is to be a man. I believe that there's a, because of Satan's knowledge of how damaged he can be by men becoming the men that God wants them to be, that he's directed our culture to try to water down what men are, to turn them into something that they aren't. And on this Father's Day, it's really appropriate for us to, to look at some of these things that Paul shares with the men there in Corinth and, and to take them to heart. Um, and as we go through the passage, you'll see where some of these would apply to anyone, but you can tell he's directly talking to men based on a lot of what he says here. And so if you're a feminist or, um, you know, a real girly man kind of a guy, you know, of the, of the, this will probably offend you, but you, you've already marginalized me anyway, and that's okay. <laughs> The good thing is it's Father's Day, so I decided the one thing I'm going to do today is what I know all men want you to do, and that is in church a few minutes early. So it's my intention to do that. So we'll get right down to it here. You know, I was thinking as I was playing with little James backstage, what our society has done to little boys and how ever boys are going to learn to be men and part of it is just that we have breakable things everywhere. We have, he, he was crawling in the hall back here, and, and I watched him, and he crawled out into the hall, and he pointed at the door and went, no. He pointed at this door here and went, no. He pointed at the drums that were sitting there in the hall, and he goes, you know, and it's, a lot of times that's, that's what we do to boys. We put them in an environment where everything they do is wrong. And, and we're in a society where boys so often, especially because of men bailing out on their families and things like that, or men just being totally detached and just focusing all their attention on work, and it, boys are growing up kind of without dads or in these weird families. You know, how, how is a little boy whose father's name is Rosie ever going to figure out <laughs> what it is to be a man? But here, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. And by the way, the word, I'll jump ahead to the word be brave. It's a word that in the Greek means literally be a man. Or as I've translated it, man up. And that's what I've entitled this message today because I really believe that that's the thrust of what Paul is saying. The first word that he uses addressing the men is he said, watch. To watch means more than just look around, watch what's happening. It, it was a military term that was used for the guy who would stay awake so that other people could sleep. The guy who would stay up so others could relax. It's a word that refers to watching out for danger, realizing that Satan is a roaring lion roaming around seeking whom he may devour. And so it's a protective term. 
It's a term of I want people around me to be safe. I want to look and foresee potential danger. I want to live my life with a, a, stight, a heightened state of alertness. This is opposed to what our society is doing to men, and that is our society is making men dysfunctional. It's causing men to just pull out of the process, to draw back, to not know what's going on with the kids. And as a result, wives have no choice but to nag their husbands constantly. You know, do you know what's happening here? Do you know what's going on there? Don't you realize what's happening in our relationship and so on? A lot of that comes about. It's not necessarily the women's fault. It's because of men who aren't paying attention. And if men draw back and won't take the responsibility that God has given them to watch and to be protective. I think it's so horrible nowadays that we live in a society where we have to be aware that almost everyone around us could be dangerous. And there are some people who even grew up in a, in a situation in their families whereby the most necessary, trusted relationship that there was of a dad looking out for their kids was violated by a man who would abuse that position and, and selfishly take advantage of a child. And as a result, all the baggage that comes with that from a man who won't say, I am going to protect women and children. I am going to watch out for them, look out for them. I'll stand in the gap. I'll be there and surround them. We can't afford to just allow a, a whole other generation to develop where it's every kid for himself, where kids are just left alone to fend for themselves, and there's no one there to defend them because we're just too busy to get involved. And so he says, men, watch. And then secondly, he says, men, stand fast in the faith. That stand fast means to be solid. And what he's saying is here, we need men who are solid in their faith. Now, the trend is for men to be flaky in their faith. The world is telling us that, you know, faith is kind of a girl's thing. They're the, you know, they're the ones that really love God and connect with him. So much of what we do in terms of the way we approach church even can make it look like it's created for the girls. It's now we were Jerry Hill and I were talking about this this week and he said, "You know what you could do that would really help men enjoy church is put up a couple of big screen plasma TVs and before the service run sports highlights and <laughs> clips and things like that and have a stock ticker going across and everything but you know I don't know if we'll <laughs> I don't know if we'll do that I thought you know I think men would appreciate chips and salsa but <laughs> but the point is, men should be at the center of the spiritual life. That's where we get our stability, is by our faith. Men need to know what they believe and why they believe it. And they need to be able to answer those questions that maybe come up within their families. They need to, and, and being strong and stable in faith means that when your family looks at you, they know you're not going to bail. They know that they can count on you because you're counting on God. You have a stability that, hey, no matter what happens, it's not like, oh, no, we're about to go under. 
But even if you're about to go under, it's giving that awareness that we can trust in God and he's going to take care of us. Too many kids are growing up with a great fear and the sense that, oh man, everything's going to go wrong and we're going to sink and we're going to... Kids shouldn't be growing up with those kinds of worries. I think it started back when I was a kid and they started this paranoia about atomic attacks from Russia. And there was no physical way they could ever deliver a nuclear system over here to destroy us. And even if they did, crunching down under your desk and covering your eyes really wasn't going to do much good. <laughs> but we had those bomb drills and people dug you know, basements under their house, bomb shelters and everything. And it seems like ever since then, the thrust of our society is to make kids scared of everything, afraid of of being kidnapped. You know, every time you drink milk, there's pictures of kidnapped kids. And, and you know, the whole, uh, you know, the, the car seats that are like a bank vault and everything. It's like everything we're doing is, oh, man, there's so much to be scared of. But there, and there's a place for being safe and cautious. But the point is, are you going to be the kind of man who's afraid of everything? Are you going to be the kind of man who's so strong in your faith that you know there's a God who's taking care of us and that you can share that and, and present that to those around you? The only way to be strong in your faith, to be really solid, is to spend time with God, to be in the Word, to allow Him to do that work in your life that will help you to to grow as a leader in your home. But this is something that we desperately need out of men, a stability. Men today are so, so often just so flaky and undependable. And God would say, come on, there's people who are depending on you being solid, on you not falling apart. And then he goes on to say, after watch and stand fast in the faith, he says, be brave. And again, the Greek word there is andridzestha. I don't expect you to write that in the margin. But it's a word that simply means man up. Be a man. Now, they knew what he was talking about. The translators go, I don't know, how do you translate man up? I guess bravery might depict it. But what he's saying is, don't be like a woman. Now, I know that's offensive to... You women, but really, is really what you want for men to be like you? But we have a society who's brainwashing us, and therefore women often have expectations because of all these goofy romance novels and everything, that, and TV shows and chick flicks, that it's like, yeah, the ideal man is just so sensitive, and I want a man who understands me and connects with me on a deep level. And no, you don't. You don't want that kind of a man. Come on, the worst thing for you is a man that would understand you. Men aren't supposed to understand you. <laughs> That's what you have girlfriends for. <laughs> what you want is a man who's a man, someone different than you are. And men need to stand up and go, hey, I am a man. In our society, I see how we treat little boys. And if little boys start acting like men, we, we drug them to make sure that they'll sit there just like a little girl being really nice because it's easier on the teacher and it's easier on the parent. Hey, we need to understand, you know what? A lot of what they are doing, even acting out and getting themselves in trouble, 
is learning what it is to be a man. And we have to give them room to do that. I was talking to some parents this week, and they were having trouble with a really active little boy. And I said, you know, think about it if you were living out in the Kalahari Desert. Your little boy couldn't do anything wrong. There'd be nothing to break, nothing to, you know, get out in He could just live his life and figure out what life is. And, you know, there's something with fixing things up the way we have and prettying things up, basically checking out the world that has made so many wrong things to happen. To A boy just does what a boy wants to do. A boy sees something, he wants to take it apart. So it'd be nice just to get him some stuff that it's okay for them to take it apart. A boy wants to do things that are dangerous because a boy is trying to grow up to be brave. There's something inside him that lets him know facing danger is something that makes me feel like more of a guy. But oh no, we can't have any danger. We don't want any injuries. And so you know, as a result, women are dominating you know, the, the family in a lot of ways, setting all the rules because men don't feel like fighting. They've been told you're not supposed to hit a woman. And so it's like, <laughs> now I'm not, I'm pleased I'm not saying that you should hit a woman. <laughs> I understand. But no. <laughs> No, really, hitting a woman is the most cowardly, punk thing you could ever do. In fact, yelling at your wife and being mean to your wife and picking on kids, any kind of abuse, that's not manly at all, man. That's being a punk. He's going, man up. Now, part of what this means is you fill the role that you're supposed to fill. There's room for, you've got to be the man of the household. You have to be the leader. And as much as society is telling women to want some girly man, the truth is no woman really wants that. And when they finally get what they desire, they look and go, what is this? I have no respect for you. I'm not going to have you lead me. You don't know what you're doing. And, and so, but he's going just, come on, man up. Do, do what men are supposed to do. And literally, the implication, what he's saying here is, men, stop acting like women. Now, I know this will get me in trouble. I know people are going to be upset at this. I'm just another disclaimer. But hey, I'm going to say it anyway. In a household, in a marriage, there's only room. You can only afford to have one crazy person. <laughs> And men, that role has already been filled. <laughs> so man up and deal with it. Yeah, you're, if you're going to be married, you're going to be living with somebody who's... Now, sometimes a man goes nuts, and a woman has to suck it up and be the man for a bit. But that's not the way it ought to be. Men need to know, you know what? It's okay. That's the way women are. And I'm saying this as a man, uh, from your perspective as women, I'm sure what you do makes perfectly good sense <laughs> to you. But the point is, somebody in the household needs to be the one who will step up and go, I am going to suck it up and do what I need to do. I am going to be a man because that's what God made me. And that's what he's saying here. Don't take that womanly role. Society is trying to weaken you. 
And, and even when you're not being who you are, certainly your wife and your kids are, you know, putting pressure on you. And I totally understand why men fall apart, but we can't afford it. You cannot afford to fall apart. If it happens and you snap, get back on your feet as soon as you can and get back to playing that role. You know, I'm just today, and you never used to see this, but now you hear of men who are like wanting out of their marriage because their life just isn't fulfilling. I feel like I'm not connected to my wife. We don't. Come on, you're sounding like a chick. Be a man. <laughs> you know, it's a women feel that way, and I, but be a man and be the leader. Don't act, don't don't let society turn you into a weakling. And speaking of which, we'll move on. He says, "Be strong." Paul talks about this in Ephesians. He says, "Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might." The only way, guys, that we can really be strong, it's not just through gutting it out. It's through being solid in our faith, as he said earlier, and drawing our strength from God and expecting that sometimes in order to be strong, we're going to have to be knocked around a little bit. We're going to have to be... How do you get strong? You get strong by working out. This word literally means make yourself strong. And so what he's saying is, understand that there are things that are going to happen in this life that are designed to make you stronger, that are designed to, you know, resistance training. And yet, so often guys, you know, feel like it's a threat to their manhood because, you know, their wife says something that hurts their feelings. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have feelings. It takes a real man to be honest about his feelings and to cry sometimes. But a man doesn't hear that and then just be all defeated and you know a man goes you know what I deserve this even if what she's doing is wrong which it will be considerable percentage of the time yet <laughs> still it's good for you now think about it guys how do you handle it when a little five-year-old comes up and wants to beat you up and they start throwing blows and everything and you go oh, a five-year-old can't hurt me oh they can hurt you plenty you know, five-year-old boys are a perfect height to do some serious damage. <laughs> but what do you do? You go, this is a five-year-old, man. I love this kid. He's not going to take me out. I don't grab him and throw a chokehold on him and choke him out. I don't just start wailing on him. Hey, I'm a man. He's a kid. I'll take it. It'll make me stronger as I work out with him. And so I know that God wants us as men to realize, you know, the people in our lives who are weaker than we are, we need to realize that's okay. And, you know, sometimes your wife might need to just take it out on you. Sometimes your kids might need to just really let you have it. But be secure enough as a man to be able to take that and to be able to act like, you know, you're not going to damage me. I'm okay. I'll, I'll be a man. I'll take it. I'm not going to let what people say destroy who I am. I'm going to let it make me stronger. Some of you guys, God has put someone in your household who's there just to make you stronger. But it's your choice. You can either let them beat you, and the way you do that is by lashing back or crying out or running away. Or you can go, this is hurting but it's a good hurt. It's something that will make me stronger. God wants to do that in all of our lives. 
Now as we read on, he continues and says in verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. It's important to put that in there. It's not just about, I've got to tough it out until the rapture. It's about, in the middle of all this, I understand our roles, and I'm still going to be loving in what I do. Because men need that reminder. Sometimes we just, you know, we can just gut it out. But then we lose that love that we're commanded to have for our families and for those around us. And so he says, remember, society is telling you to do just the opposite of love. What society is telling you is to be selfish. And that's the opposite of love. But he says, men, be selfless. Make sure that you love. Make sure that you really care enough to put others ahead of yourself. The ironic thing is, loving others, despite how they treat you, is one of the best ways to grow in spiritual strength and maturity. And so he goes, in everything that you do, make sure it's in love. Make sure that you're not coming off selfish. Make sure that you're not retreating into your cave. Make sure that you're not spending all of your time out doing stuff or out working or out drinking or whatever to get away from the situation. You're not to live a selfish life. You're to live a life of love. That's contradictory. Then he goes on to say, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. The house of Stephanus was the first family that got saved there in Achaia, which is the area of Corinth and Athens, the southern part of Greece there. And Stephanus wasn't a minister. He wasn't a preacher or an apostle or an evangelist. But he was a guy who, it says, their family devoted themselves. The King James has a good translation there. It says they were addicted to It's like they were focused on the big thing of their life was what? Not becoming preachers. It was just ministering to people, being there to help in whatever way was possible. And they did this as a family. It was a part of their family culture. That value was put into them that we get to do this. A missionary would come to town. Oh, we get to host them. They'd hear of a need in another place. Hey, we get to go there and try to help them and to encourage them. That's what we do. That's the definition of our family. And Paul said, when you see people like that, you should submit to them as much as you submit to any preacher. You should go, I want to learn from this person. I want to respect them. And I want to appreciate them because a part of being a man of God is leading others in doing work for the Lord, in ministering and serving. It could be just being the first one to be there to set up chairs or take down chairs. It could be all sorts of other things when opportunities come up. But to be addicted to doing things for the Lord like that. Stephanus was that way. He goes on to say that... that, um, Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus 
had come to visit him. So Stephanus, we know about the other two guys we don't know anything about. And he said, I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge such men. So he said, when these guys came to see me, I was refreshed. And this is another aspect. Often we don't think of men as being refreshing. There are some men who seem to be and who are. That is, when you see them, you just feel uplifted. You feel encouraged. You feel refreshed. And these guys were that way. But so often in our society, we, we end up living a, a lifestyle that, that communicates and teaches that, oh, life is so heavy. And, oh, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. Guess what? That doesn't help anybody. A part of manning up is to go, you know what? I don't want to add to anybody else's burdens. I want to be the type of person who, when people see me, they feel refreshed and encouraged, not dragged down. And, you know, there are certain people who you just see them coming, and it's like, oh, boy. Here we go. Let me brace myself. It's, it's coming, you know. As I've said before, there are some people who can brighten up a room just by entering. Others who can brighten up a room just by leaving. And Paul's going, these guys are guys who, when they came, it was like a breath of fresh air. Guys, you know some guys who are that way. What we need to aspire to is to ask God to help us to be that way. That when we get home, it doesn't bring pressure. That when we come home in the evening, we can bring a breath of fresh air. That when we see our friends, that when we come to church and we see each other, it's like we can light people up instead of weighing people down as these guys did. And then as he's wrapping up the book, he says, the churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla, who were from Corinth before, greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. They pastored a home church there in Ephesus at this time. And then he said, all the brethren said to greet you. And then he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Oh, brother. Well, what is a holy kiss? Well, let me explain something. In those days, what they would call a holy kiss was something that only men did. And it was a, a ceremonial kind of very manly greeting that in those days it would, and in that culture they still do this somewhere, you kiss the person on both sides of them. You see people doing that. Now at that time, that was something that was for the men. And it was a, it was a term of, it was an expression of, of respect and of just, you know, manly fellowship. It, it kind of, over the years, I suppose, I mean, the Italians had it down, except it usually meant that they were going to kill you. Then, <laughs> you know, later the French took it on and, and the and, you know, the, the hairdressers and Hollywood people and everything. And it's like now, it's like, that's not, that doesn't. Probably to find an equivalent expression today, it might be, you know how guys now, when they shake hands with another guy, you kind of do that bro handshake, and then holding it, then you kind of reach and hug each other, but you have arms in between you to let, it, <laughs> let everybody know, you know, this isn't, that's probably what he's saying. Guys, greet each other in a manly way. Just be able to do this. And, and then he goes on to say, and I know you're not going to believe it, but I'm signing this myself. Paul had 
an amanuensis who would write his letters for him because his eyes weren't so good. But he said, he said, the salutation with my own hand, Paul. He goes, I'm writing this stuff at the end, and I'm signing it myself so you know. Yes, he really did say that. He really does mean that. And then he says, if anyone doesn't love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. The Greek word there is anathema. It's probably something a little short of tell him to go to hell, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of in that vein. It's, at the very least, they use the term to mean kick somebody out of the church, excommunicate him. But he's like, look, if you don't want to love Jesus, okay, I don't have anything to say to you. And then he says, oh, Lord, come. That's the, what we think is the Aramaic word. It's Maranatha. We, we often use the term Maranatha to be, oh, Lord, please come. We're so anxious for you to come. He was using it a little differently. He was going, God, come and deal with these people who won't listen to this, who won't do what you're telling them to do. Let them be accursed, and then you can come and take care of it. And then, it's a good thing he threw this in at the end, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He goes, I know this has been harsh. I know this has been tough. And for anyone to look at what he's laying out as, here's what a man of God ought to be, we're all going to realize, oh man, I fall so short. So Paul goes, listen, there's grace. Don't forget grace. Don't forget that you're not always going to be able to do this, and God is able to give you the strength to do it. Receive his grace. He's also saying, okay, I just told you to go to hell, but I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to receive God's grace. I want you to, to, I want you to have this life. It'll enrich everyone if you'll do it. And then, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. He's going, man, I love you guys. And that's why I'm telling you the truth. Now, as we look back on it, the world is causing men to be dysfunctional. But God calls us to be watchful and aware and involved. The world is making men into flaky, faithful people, just on the fringes and letting the women run things. But God calls us to be solid in our faith. The world is trying to make men into sissies. But God says, man up and be a man. The world would make us weak. God wants to make us strong. The world would make us selfish. God wants to make us loving. The world would have us to just be completely uninvolved. God would have us to be absolutely addicted and devoted to being involved in ministry in any way where there's a need. The world is weighing us down and making us depressed and fearful, and God wants to make us refreshing and encouraging. Now, here we are. It's Father's Day. We're almost done. There are some people here today who you look at this list and you go, that's what my dad was. I don't know if he ever saw this verse or read it in the Greek. But man, my dad was that way. He always protected me and made me feel safe. He just had a strength, and he knew what he believed, and he was loving, and he, yeah, that's my dad. And if so, praise God for your dad. And let him know that you appreciate that. Chances are, for many of us, it might be a mixed bag. And maybe our dad was some of these things, but he wasn't all of these things. 
But you know what? Honor your dad. Even if all your dad showed you was strength, even if all your dad showed you was a, that he was willing to serve or whatever, but you don't see him doing all the other things, just be glad that he showed you that. There are some dads who don't even know the Lord, and yet there's a part of what we pick up from them that helped us to understand what it is to be a man that we learned from them and honor them for that and honor their memories if they're gone. There are some people here who might say, my dad was absolutely none of that. Maybe you don't even remember your dad, never knew him, or maybe he was awful to you and horrible. Well, I have good news for you. We have a heavenly father who's all of these things. He is our ultimate example. Us as earthly fathers, we can only hope to emulate him. But he is there, and he was there for you. And he was protecting you when you didn't even know he was protecting you in ways that you can't imagine. And he's always been there for you and will always be there for you. If you're a dad, you have some challenges before you. And God isn't just going, okay, now here, just sit on my lap and I'll comfort you. He's going to spank you on the bottom and go, man up. Now you get out there and be what I made you to be and what I've told you to be. Men, take that challenge. For girls who aren't married yet and you're looking at men and going, who in the world would I ever want to spend my life with? Here's your list. Look for this. Don't settle for anything less than that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that not only you're our heavenly father, but you sent your son Jesus to become a man forever so that we would never say, I can't do it, because we would always have his example. Lord, thank you for fathering us when our earthly fathers failed. Thank you for those of us who have the privilege of being fathers or those of us who one day will be fathers. God, I thank you for all the godly examples we have. Some of the best and most godly examples in our church are guys who've never actually had kids, but they show us what it is to be a man of God. So Lord, in each of us, help us to see the truth of your word. And I pray in this generation, against all odds, against everything that culture is trying to tell us, that we would have men who would man up and become men of God, those who would be who you've made us to your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.